Hey, welcome to Slashers and Spirits, a horror movie podcast. In this show, Kim and I, longtime horror fans, show some of our favorites to AJ, who hated the genre until just recently. I'm Aaron. I'm AJ. I'm Kim. And it is the late night edition of Slashers and Spirits. Yes, this is my bedtime. Actually, yeah. 9 o'clock was my bedtime, and it's now 10.46, so this yeah. is for sure late. You want a grandma? So, we're usually done by now. Like, 10.46 would be like, fuck, I gotta go to bed, but here we are. <laughs> Just finishing the movie now. But uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've recorded one of these, and it's good to be back. Uh, it we is. We took a little vacation that wound up being, like, a, basically a three-week vacation. <laughs> but, um, but we're back, and then we had to cancel next week, too, so... <laughs> We, we had to do this week or else we would have not done a podcast in over a month. And, hey, we uh, have a lot of podcasts stored up. We do. We do. But, God, it's gonna, um, we're, we're going to have to address that shit at some point. That we have, like, I think it's 12 podcasts recorded before our first one comes out. But Yeah, something like that. I have some housekeeping that I have to bring up. I actually got a text okay. message from Molly before she went to bed saying that Aaron has never seen Lizzie McGuire movie and that's <laughs> a travesty and so I would like to officially propose that my episode no. is the Lizzie McGuire movie no 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 that's yes no, no. <laughs> I, okay I then let me do Twilight it's not a horror movie <laughs> AJ's gonna get an episode at some point. I just can't. I have to get an episode. Horror! It can't be. I will. We're gonna do Hill House. No, we're gonna do Bly Manor. No, and we're just gonna watch the gay scenes. No. (laughs) I think AJ has to choose something like it has to be horror, but it can be something AJ considered horrifying. So like it doesn't okay. have to necessarily be horror. So be Eddie Murphy's like Haunted House. Oh my god. Or E.T. The I've never mansion? seen E.T., but that scared the shit out of me as a child. The Haunted Mansion, you mean? <laughs> yeah, the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> the Haunted House. What fucking movie was that? That's the Knott's Berry Farm knockoff. <laughs> also, this oh, is the Haunted shit. episode. Yeah, we were haunted during cursed. this episode. Uh, this episode's big spooky. Is anyone going to explain? Kim, will you explain? Um, I barely heard anything. Well, there's two instances. AJ's computer mysteriously shut, shut off. off midway of yeah. watching the movie, and she got disconnected, and we have no explanation because it was plugged in, right? Yeah, it was. Char- it was supposed to be charging, and we. I went downstairs during a break to get water. And we heard, I, I don't, I'm not 100% sure what I heard. I heard a sound. I thought it was the shifting of like someone's microphone or something, but it was a bit too long. So I thought it was kind of weird, but I like didn't really mention it. But AJ said it sounded like a voice or a whisper. Is that how you would describe yeah, it? Something like that. Yeah. Um, And she says it sounded like my name, but I, I didn't hear my name, but Aaron says it wasn't him. And it definitely wasn't all, me. All, <laughs> it wasn't me. All I know is I came back from getting a beer and you guys were spooked. Yeah. When I, mean, I wasn't spooked, <laughs> I thought you were trying to scare us. So I was like, Aaron, cough up. <laughs> but <laughs> shit, no, I didn't I... get another drink. That's fine. Okay, sorry. No, go for it. Go for I it. No, but it's a spooky, well, spooky little moment, I guess, that we're having. How crazy. Should I actually go get another drink? 
Yeah, yeah. Go through your dark hallways and get a <laughs> empty apartment by yourself. I'm not by myself. I'm at my parents' house. <gasps> I know. Parents, I say hi. Um. Okay. If either of them are awake, I will. If, okay. If I'm... they are asleep, just tell them tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Okay. Sounds good. Um. I'm gonna go get a drink. I'm. I'm just gonna keep recording, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll be right back. So are we just going to cut this part? She's going to be gone forever. No. We have to. She's not here. Um, I think, don't, I would never, I'd never say this to her face, but I think she's a wonderful person. Oh, don't lie. Who? (laughs) (laughs) Are you guys talking shit about me? Yeah, it's already recorded. um... Okay, great. I hope this, Molly, Molly, she won't cut it out. We've already, we've already talked to Molly and she said she would not cut it out. So unfortunately, your name has been slandered and that's that. Aaron thinks I'm a wonderful person. So I don't know what you're talking about. He added that at the end to soften all the blows that we gave you. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fucking go for it. That's fine. We got, we got, this is, this is like episode 14. Uh, In 14 weeks, you'll know exactly what's up. She sends them to us early. Don't lie. <laughs> this is the I'll one episode a... I'll listen to. <laughs> we'll make sure that she gives you a, an edited version and you won't hear Ooh. until it's actually out. We'll get the Snyder cut. Yeah. You guys. <laughs> the Whedon cut. You know what? Me and Molly are tight. I think that I can get her to give me the real shit. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um. <sighs> Also, I did have to walk past a rocking chair to get this drink, so I feel like there was some spookiness, you know? Definitely. You're so brave. Thank you. <laughs> I felt brave. So, um, what do we... Okay, last time, I believe, was House of a Thousand Corpses, right? Damn, yeah. No. Was it really? Yeah. yeah oh, you know why? Of- I'm confused because we re-recorded The Exorcist last week. <laughs> Uh, we added a an amendment to to <laughs> the, the exorcist, exorcist yeah. that I'm not convinced was any better. <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> I think it was too. But uh, all um, I know is I spoke. Though Kim spoke like twice in that entire add on we did for the exorcist. Yes, she only spoke twice, and she spoke for like a total of like two of the thirty minutes, maybe. Yes. And it was as soon as Molly opened the door and sat down and put the headphones on her head. So she was like, I was terrified when we literally went to record a half hour because Kim talked so much and you guys didn't say anything. And I came into Kim talking and I was mortified. <laughs> I was trying to be silent. We all kept asking me questions. I talked. I, I'm i going to go ahead and say that I talked at least 12 minutes of that 30 minutes. And I think that's the most I've talked in any podcast. It was, it was great. We were on a roll. But um, yeah, The Exorcist is also a cursed, a cursed podcast. I think so. I think we've been yeah. cursed twice every time we watch religious horror. Religious. We'll... It's because none of us are religious enough. Facts. <laughs> they Wait, heard but... that I was gay, and they were like, "Well, spider. I've been baptized, so all I know is I'm going to heaven." And y'all, see you, see you another I time. I accepted God into my heart. Okay. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, but like, do the does the baptism and the being gay like cancel it out? Yes. Or, no, or... I'm only half, so technically. <laughs> technically... Don't start that half bullshit. <laughs> do not start that half bullshit. <laughs> technically, I'm still saved in the eyes of the Lord, so you know. As long as you marry a man. Yeah, he Jesus won't care. 
He was, he's fine with it. We're cool. He'll look over all of the gay sex you've had. Definitely. Yeah. So, you know, have fun in hell, guys. Can't relate. Again, <laughs> I accepted God into my heart. And Doesn't mean he accepted you. So, you know what? Good I think he did. Fuck. You know what? Uh, welcome I'm to gonna tell him you said Oh, you know what else is an important note that I have um, before we get into serious shit? Because I don't want to bring it up in the middle. Aaron wants to think about Arthur Weasley having sex. And I think we need to discuss that real fast on the Harry Potter podcast. This was in the context of me saying that Arthur Weasley has no pullout game. Which I think is a fair (laughs) and objectively true statement. In which Kim said, I don't want to think about him having sex. And you said, oh, I do. So let's just address that real fast. In well, what Arthur ways? Weasley do you want to watch him pee? Do you... Oh, my God. Unarguably the best character. In Arthur Weasley? In all... Yes. Okay, what about Ginny? No, Ginny. Oh, my God. Talk about the man that made Ginny. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Percy got to be Weasley since. What about... um? Mrs. Weasley. I don't remember her Molly. name. Molly. It's literally Molly. Molly. We literally oh, have wow. a friend named Molly. That. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I'm sorry, Molly. I'm just saying, like, they clearly enjoy each other. That's, that's, that's all I gotta say. I mean, they had nothing better I to mean, do. Yeah, they, they, could, they could do, do magic. magic and shit. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's like a common thing. It's not as if, like, you know, that was something cool. That was just how they grew up. It's not novel if you just do it all the time. I don't know, though. They could, they could go fly and shit. I, mean, I could just be, like, kind of poor and, like, you know, and sad. Like, that's, like... That's, that's already my reality. I might as well add magic to it, you know? Yeah. I mean, for us, it seems cool because we're not born into that society, but they're just, they just have magic, but they're also poor and have nothing else going for them, so. I don't, I've, I've never understood how they're poor and have magic. Because you can't wish for magic. It's not wishing. You it's can't do a spell wishing. for you magic can't. or wealth. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm drunk. Because there's like laws of <laughs> I didn't mean wish for magic. I meant but you like, can't do magic to get money. But like, what could they, what, what, what do they need money for? Come on. What do you mean? They have currency. Well, they, they're still in London. They, why are we talking buy... about Harry Potter? Because <laughs> like... it's the Harry Potter podcast. <laughs> they gotta go buy robes and shit. This is being because cut, their robes but... get worn out. Just fix your fucking robes with magic. I mean, they can't, but then it's like it looks like it's tattered. Like that's what the whole point of hand me downs are. Like they're used. The whole point is you get the new and like fashion evolves, so they have to get new versions of robes and like cuts and styles that are. You know, on they trend. They can turn a fucking a glass into a bird. I'm just saying, if we watched Twilight, me and Kim no. could have such good arguments for the whole hour. Like, you want me to talk? Put on some fucking Twilight no. and watch me talk about some shit. So this week we watched The <laughs> We didn't even talk about House of a Thousand Corpses. That's oh, what we started on. I don't remember on. it. <laughs> um, I, I've thought about House of a Thousand Corpses a fuckload because I really enjoyed okay. watching that movie again and I almost put it on the other day. Mm. Yes. That's and exciting. Rob Zombie formed a super group today God. full of like a bunch of famous musicians and the first song they put out was a cover of a country song and I didn't know how I felt about <gasps> what it. What song? Oh my God. <sighs> oh. Doesn't matter. They're all bad. It's because I'm no. drunk. Uh, they put out. It's the one about drinking beer and going to church. I've heard that one. God, I've been everywhere. Tra- I've been everywhere. Yeah. Oh, is it just everywhere by? Oh, by Johnny no, Cash. It's... I don't know that one. 
I don't know Johnny Cash. I'm sorry. I do know my Tim McGraws and my Garth Brooks and my other famous country artists, but I do not know Johnny Cash. But yeah, Rob Zombie be doing that right now. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I have not thought about that movie. I kind of forgot that movie happened. I also forgot that this movie happened and blinked the whole thing out until I started watching it. So mm. connections, you know. I've thought about it a little bit. I mean, my roommate's brother is really into Rob Zombie, and so by default, she also knows his music. So when I brought it up, we talked about it, and she gave me more information about him. So I had a conversation about it, and I explained the movie. Um, So unwillingly, yes, I have thought about that movie. But (laughs) without that prompt, I probably wouldn't have thought about it as much. I've I've been listening to a lot of Rob Zombie at work, and way too many of those songs just start with, like, sexual moaning or some or something (laughs) gross and uh i have new headphones so i'm constantly like pulling them out of my ears to make sure it's not too loud that other people can hear it while i'm at work and shit like all paranoid and shit that's fair i support that paranoia because honestly how awkward would it be if somebody heard moaning coming from your headphones at work (laughs) thanks um what is everyone drinking tonight I'm drinking a wine. I have work in the morning, so I didn't want anything too hard, and I only had a glass and a half. What wine? Um, my Riscato. It's cheap. Okay. I went to Target. Didn't have much time to really browse. I got my usual. Uh, Aaron? It's another weekend, so another Stone IPA. This, this week it's Liquid Poem IPA. Ooh, how romantic. Ooh. I don't know. They're just getting weird at this point, but they all, they're, they're all good. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, I'm having a variety of White Claws. I thought a lot about what I wanted to drink tonight. And then I went to the store and I was like, White Claws, because I had a family interaction and I was drinking earlier today and I needed something I could drink for a long time. Um, And I've decided that the mango is okay. And that's my official opinion. Probably second best. I like the berries better. I just don't like mango flavored stuff that much. Um, but I have strawberry, blackberry, mango, and pineapple were the ones I tried throughout this process. And, um, I think that the mango is like, it's good. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's my review. I don't drink white claws, so I don't have an opinion on it. Oh, white claws slap. Unfortunately, that's part of your culture, and I'm not privy to that, so... Okay, hold on. But what culture? I need white to know people. specifically. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to know if it was white people or if it was like something else. What other culture do you what have? Tall, tall kings. <laughs> tall kings. <laughs> um, AJ wouldn't yeah, know anything it. about that. Shorty. <laughs> nope. I'm so short. Kim I'm the I, shortest person ooh. on this podcast. Facts. So, sometimes I'm talking to AJ and she looks up at me. <laughs> we have to crouch down to here it's it's kind of intimidating but you know we do it for her to make her feel comfortable i'm intimidating though even in when in the short version i'm the intimidating one okay good i'm just making sure i'm intimidating for you that we have to crouch down and do oh, you a favor don't talk about my feelings i mean we know i sense it but you know you're welcome no no let me speak for myself please. short people they're just the most aggressive huh? <laughs> and then i look and then i look up at kim and i'm like hey could you crouch down so aj can hear you <laughs> exactly 
I, I don't know why I'm, I I was actually like looking up like as I was saying that my, I'm like staring at my skin <laughs> as if to look up to the invisible giant king <laughs> painting you have of me on your ceiling how flattering no but there are legitimately um, multiple paintings of AJ in my apartment there oh, are <laughs> And, I forgot about that. And they're all they're all facing the bed too. That's, so yeah, that I stare is at them. very that is very strange. Hey, it wasn't my choice. That is it very wasn't strange. Mine either. <laughs> I feel like I feel like there's never been a better time for me to explain this than right now. No, there's no explanation. We're just gonna leave it at this that. Doopy, this doopy sounding pretty weird. I mean, it is. <laughs> no, no matter how it's you just explain that Molly it. and Aaron love me. And they wanted to have portraits of me made, so they had them made, and they put them in their bedroom <laughs> that's to made have it me worse. staring at them. That's made it worse. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> do we not explain this? Yes. Like, Even if don't. you do, it will not help, because it, it, it is still very weird. <laughs> there is no rectifying there's also it's, There's also it's... a giant portrait of me at Molly's parents' house. Jesus yes, Christ. And big. I've taken selfies with it multiple times. <laughs> It, it's it's pretty funny. It sounds like there's I, a really relationship. A ship. I look nice. Molly no, and there is. You know what? Ship me and Molly. That's what I want to happen from this podcast. Now that I'm thinking about it, really the only two beds I sleep in are either my bed here or Molly's bed at her parents' house. So yes. I don't think I've slept without <laughs> AJ watching over us. Jesus Christ. For several years. <laughs> Yeah, that's um This is my favorite thing that's happened on the podcast. That's that's really that's worrisome. I gotta be honest with you. I protect oh. them. Oh my it's god. So, it's so much less weird than it sounds. It's not. Like. It, it is. really it's isn't. Weird. It is. Wait, are you agreeing with me or Kim, AJ? Oh, I'm agreeing with you, Aaron. I don't think yeah, it's, it's that much it's, weird. It's not it's weird, weird at all. I feel, I, I don't think it's weird. No. No. Okay. You know what? No, I won't. Okay. (laughs) Molly's going to come back and record something and put it in here because she wants to explain it. Yeah, possibly. But. (laughs) Okay, now I feel like we should explain it. No. It's still going to be weird. (laughs) No, it's really not weird. It's really not weird. Okay. (laughs) Sure. All right, you know what? Now I just want to say it, but then I fully accept. I fully want Molly to bleep it. Okay. You know. Go ahead. But it, it, it's not weird for Molly's senior art project to be of AJ and to be hung up in her in multiple places, is it? Her senior I mean, art project. Honestly, it was most convenient. Like I'm not gonna praise myself that much. Like I was just me and Molly are close friends, and I was really convenient to be her portrait person. So she just took photos of me. <laughs> Oh wait, was it just? I guess no. Wait, Kim's the, in there, there too. There was Bianca and Kim that were also a part Kim of that project. Kim and Tanya and Bianca but, and Julie. But only the AJs are hung up. <gasps> it's because me and Molly are in love. Now we have to keep this. Okay. Oh my God, we're twenty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So. God knows when this is going to be in the podcast, but we we watched <laughs> The Conjuring from 2013 today, and this was Kim's choice. See, si. 
Kim, why did you choose this movie? <laughs> it sounded way worse than I wanted it to be. I meant that to be a normal question, but it sounded like you damned us this movie. I mean, it's a damn good movie. I think it's it's one of the more popular horror movies of you know this age. I feel like it definitely is a movie that a lot of people nowadays will throw out there when you talk about horror movies or ask to watch a horror movie. It's it's definitely made its notoriety. It's recognizable, and I feel like everyone has heard of it and or has watched it. So I figured it was a staple movie that we had to watch at some point, so why not now? And that's why I decided to watch I, it. I, I agree. I agree. This is definitely... um. This is the genre I do not like. <laughs> this is the, the current modern horror that I just really don't enjoy. Um, not saying it's bad by any means. I have no taste. But um, <laughs> it's just kind of all led to being the same shit over the past couple of years, which is how horror works. Horror is the same shit for five, six, seven years at a time before it changes to something else. But I think this movie's kind of an exception where it kind of created a lot of the stereotypes that would continue through the next couple of years agreed um what what did you think aj what was your your opinion so this is actually the first movie that i've seen before and i can't for the life of me remember why i've seen it because it seems like something that i fully would never watch um but you didn't know that until i didn't know that until we watched it yeah like i couldn't remember that until we started watching it and then I was like oh I've fully seen this movie before and I didn't remember elements of it like the Annabelle elements I didn't remember Mm -hmm. um but I remembered the Warren family and I remembered um this other family and um I feel like I feel mixed about it I think it's a pretty good movie I think the scares are really good I think they're like well thought out which is like I mean I think a good element of a scary movie like if it's a creative scare and creative ways to freak you out that's not just like cheap um i think it's much more worthwhile but i think it makes it a lot creepier which makes me kind of hate it because i'm scared um i also do though think that throughout this process i have become less afraid of scary movies i will say because it didn't freak me out as much as I feel like it should have. I don't know if that's because I've become less afraid or because I've seen it before. But there were a lot of really scary elements that should have sat with me that I think um, I've gotten a little bit better at getting over them. Um, but I think it was pretty good, honestly. I hated it throughout it, but I also think at the end of the day, it's a pretty good movie. I think I feel very similar to AJ. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I think that's like the best way it's like... It's a good movie, but I, I I don't love it kind of thing, you know, like it's not fun. Like I didn't have fun. But I don't have I, fun during any scary movies, so that's just me. I think I have fun with it because any other movie that's like this theme and genre has so much boring shit in it to like separate. Like there's so much nothing and then the scares are occasional. Whereas in this movie, Hatchley has like good pacing and keeps moving it along. Yeah. So it's like a good movie in a genre that I don't prefer. Yeah, I see that. It's it's probably how Kim feels about Creepshow. Does Kim think that Creepshow is a good movie? Mm. It's her favorite. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> She's so quiet. <laughs> no, I'm listening. I'm listening. She's, she's absolutely silent. No, I just... I um. You know, like that. I feel like that's probably the movie that Kim and I have like agreed to disagree on the most so far, right? Yeah, I would think so. Creep show, maybe House of a Thousand Corpses to some degree, but 
what about Willy's Wonderland? That were like, God, oh, trash. that. It came your posters. I ordered you for that movie Jesus are all Christ. Christ. for your birthday. Burn that shit, please. <laughs> that movie only grows on me the more I think about it. By the way, God. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna revisit that movie in the near oh future. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> it's um, trash. I'm just letting you know. Oh, it's like, horrible. It's pretty awful. Yeah, it's it's horrendous. But Nick Cage is fascinating in that movie. It's almost like yeah, I would zoo. like to know why he's like that. Oh my god! <laughs> I I don't want to jump on a tangent real quick, but I do want to touch that we, we were talking about posting like the first twelve episodes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We were talking about inserting images into the YouTube versions, like as we talk about certain things. Yeah, and I think we've decided that we're, it's going to be something we do for like now on, but it might okay. not be something we go back and do, just because yeah. it's going to it's like hours and hours of work yeah. uh, for Molly. Um, but the exception is going to be Willy's Wonderland because we want With Nick reference Cage photos of all of yeah. the Nick Cage children that we discussed. <laughs> like that. <laughs> so that one will be getting images. So That's super a good stoked one. for that. Yeah. That one, how, for some reason, sticks out of my head. I don't know why, but for some reason, that recording and that movie sticks out of my head and all of this. Yeah, it was um, good. The recording was good. Anyways, The Conjuring. Um... <laughs> Should we go into the play-by-play? Yeah, sure. I got a lot to say, actually, about, like, the opening couple minutes. Let me just quick go over, go. like, director and oh. people that are in the movie. Go okay, for go it. Okay, go ahead. So it was directed by James Wan, who is also the co-creator of other franchises like Saw, Insidious, obviously the rest of the Conjuring universe, and he's also done individual movies um, like Dead Silence, but also non-horror movies like Aquaman, um, as one of the prime examples. He did Aquaman? Yes, he did. <laughs> that's that's the movie I was talking about. And I was like, what did James Wan do that was weird that wasn't a horror movie? It was Aquaman. Yeah. Don't know why, but he did it. Um, it stars Vera Farmiga as Lorraine Warren, Patrick Wilson as Ed Warren, who also appears in a lot of other James Wan movies, including Insidious and Aquaman, Lily Taylor, who plays <laughs> Carolyn Perrin, and Ron Livingston, who plays Roger well. Perrin. And I'm not going to name the actors for the children because there's just too many. Um, but I have their names down. Five so. is too many, just to clarify. It would take too much time. <laughs> um, but those are the main <laughs> characters that we'll be referring to for most of the movies. Yeah. So. Um, well, sorry, what was the name of, um, not the Warren mother, but the... Carolyn. Uh, the... Carolyn Perrin. Carolyn. Who's her actress? Lily Taylor. Lily. Lily Taylor. Yeah, she's done a lot of movies as well. These are, for the most part, well-known yeah. actors, probably minus Ron. No offense to Mr. Livingston, but the first three are very popular. They've done a lot of TV and movies, so they're very recognizable. Yeah, I think of um, uh, Vera Farmiga as always being the mom in uh, the Psycho TV show. Yeah. Bates Motel yeah. that... I thought was cool when I was a teenager and I watched it as an adult. I'm like, this is some shit. Yeah, <laughs> this is some my sister watched right that here. show. Oh, it's it's rough. <clears throat> yeah, but <laughs> and they've all kind of done you know versions of horror movies too. All three of them, so they are recognizable. Mm-hmm. I I know Lily Taylor was in the older version of I believe it's called Haunting of Hill House or. The Hill House yes. Haunting, but it's it's an older movie that I saw when I was younger, but she, she has done a fair share of horror movies herself, too, so, yeah, they're all really great actors, and they really show that in this movie. Yeah, I wouldn't say anyone's bad in this movie at all. 
Eh, the kids. Like every, uh, there's solid performance. I mean, the, even the kids, the kids are pretty kids good. Do pretty good. <laughs> kids do pretty good. Sure. Like, she's like, no, fuck those kids. <laughs> sure. I mean, they did. The youngest one was a bit, you know, it's kids, and that's kind of the whole point. But no, there were definitely great performances here. All right, should we do the play-by-play? Yeah, anything else you wanted to, to cover as far as, like, background and stuff? Mm, just that for now. Okay. Um, This movie actually starts with just a shot of Annabelle as, like, the first thing. It's, like, the very first thing you see is Annabelle. And I feel like that's something that's often overlooked, or at least I don't think of it that way. Like, I remember Annabelle yeah. being a part of The Conjuring, but the fact that their moneymaker, whether they knew it or not, was going to be the very first thing they showed on screen. But maybe that's why it was the first thing, is they knew it would be their moneymaker. But I just find that interesting, because Annabelle has very little to do with this movie all around, right? Like 100%, which I have kind of critiques about. Yeah, and I, I would agree. But um, I really like the intro. I, I think I really enjoy when horror movies have a bit of like an appetizer before the meal, where they're like, let's do a complete fucked up story before we dive in scream great example of that um psycho to some degree as well mm-hmm. um the, the, i'm not sure if uh kim have you seen the Fri- uh, friday the 13th remake uh, i have i don't remember quite a- oh yeah yeah i have i have the most recent one yeah. yeah jason murders like six people in the first 15 minutes of that movie yeah in brutal ways and then they introduce an actual character like yeah yes and like i love that shit and i really love the i mean how long do you think the annabelle portion is in the beginning of this less than 10 minutes oh definitely yeah something like that um and i think it's compelling the whole way through i i love where it starts and ends and i love the little museum kind of like being maybe the cap of it you know Mm -hmm. Um, it reminds me of like the Crypt TV shorts. And when you look at like Crypt TV, it's really no different than what they do there. It's quick, in and out, fun, horror. And I think it's a hell of a way to start the movie pacing wise because they can even earn the whole we're moving into a new house storyline that they continue in after this. Yeah. Uh, but you feel like, all right, you gave me a little bit. It was more than, you know, because while it's under 10 minutes, it's certainly longer than a minute and a half, which is what most movies would do with this kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I just think it's a, it's a really solid intro, and it doesn't feel like wasted time, even though it doesn't really affect the rest of the movie all that much. Yeah, I think that the starting off with the Annabelle face was definitely, like, creepy as fuck to me. And also, I was kind of like, I kind of, that's what threw me off about if I had seen this movie or not at first because I couldn't remember that part like that part was what I didn't remember from it um and I do kind of question the level of which they throw Annabelle out there and she becomes this character from this movie when she's like so little involved in the actual story and plot line um but I do feel like it's a good way to like, like, I like that little short about her. And I think it's a good way to introduce war, the Warren family and things like that. Um, and like this concept of like, oh, this movie's about like people who hunt demons and um, fight them or whatever. I, I, absolutely. And I think that's something this movie does really well. That's, I, I think it's kind of led to we were, we were looking at the imdb and we're seeing that basically a movie in this franchise has come out every year except for one since 2013 so from like 2013 to 2021 forgiving 2020 because 
come on, something we could do about that. <laughs> um, a movie has come out every year in this franchise, and I think it was such a smart idea to start the movie not showing the victim family, not showing the demon that's the main demon, not showing the house that's haunted, but introducing the investigators, introducing the mystery gang, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that sets them up for such, for a franchise, I think, exactly. more than anything. And I don't think that was super apparent to me in my first watching. It was just good character set up. But now watching it again, I'm like, oh, this is what they were planning from the beginning. And they can just connect as many of these fucking things as possible. You you make them for a nickel and, you know, make a million off of it. And uh, it's just, I think it was a really smart move. Even if they, if it wasn't successful, it wouldn't have stood out as, oh, they were really cocky, huh? Thinking like a bunch of movies were coming out of this. It's just yeah. like forgivable and natural. I think another thing to point out is that this movie and the movies of the franchise, for the most part, um, minus some of the Annabelles, are all of them, actually, are based on actual cases and, for the most part, facts per the individual's um, retelling. So Ed and Lorraine Warren are actual people. Annabelle the doll is an actual doll where a case that surrounds her possession whether you believe in that or not is actually documented and so it it is real in the sense that there is a doll with that name that does you know live in the case and it it has the same storyline so including annabelle the doll i don't think was only just a gimmick for starting a movie it was part of the warren's cases that is probably the most notorious and well known if you knew them before these movies came out So they were doing their own, they had their museum and they were doing tours of their museum um, and their own interviews on their own before this movie came out. And that's how this movie came to be is they saw the interview that they did and were interested and got to know a lot of their cases. The Amityville Horror is also a case that the Warrens worked on. So having little bits of their cases is kind of the ground for how they set up the rest of these franchises to happen. So this first conjuring and the second conjuring are based on cases that they've done. And the Annabelle doll, as well as other pieces of their occult museum, are also things that actually exist in their real life museum. So I think that's kind of why they put these pieces of Annabelle in this movie and in the shot, because it is so well known in real life. So you're saying to like some degree that when they're talking to the producers about making movies about the real life Warrens, they're like, oh, you're going to do the doll thing, right? And they're like, oh, no, but I <laughs> like, I guess well, we have to include that in some way, like that kind of thing. Like not that, you know, they were forced to or anything, but I mean, like well, pro- it's hard to uh, do the Warrens without thinking of Annabelle. Well, this movie took about 20 years before it was actually produced. So it had a 20 years of working through what it was going to look like, how far it was going to go production who was going to take it so there was a lot of time for you know the people writing the script and the director to get everyone on board and to start creating the film but i do think the warrens had a lot of material to give to producers i mean they've written books about this stuff they've already had the amityville come out before you know this movie was even in talks so i feel like yes they knew having annabelle was going to become it was already projected in their minds in this 20-year period that there would be a franchise. I'm just saying for the sake of, like, because this movie, in their minds, one, wasn't going to be a singular movie, but also there's so much to work with in terms of what they had to offer as far as becoming, you know, horror characters because they are real. Um, 
it was just easy to put in as much as they could into the story to entice audiences. So that way, when they did move forward and create a franchise, you know, this is kind of the hook that they would use to entice audiences to continue on with the rest of the movies they were planning on making. So they, so they had big goals before this this ever came out. It wasn't, I see. I guess that makes sense too, because like these movies coming out a year of each other, like you don't see the movie as well and have enough. a movie done within a year. Yeah, you have to yeah. know pretty much ahead of time. Yeah. To some degree. Wow. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird that I'd like, I had never heard of the Warrens before any of this, you know? I heard of them but, through Amityville. Yeah. That's the only way I I possibly would have been exposed to it would be that. Isn't Ryan Reynolds in an, in an Amityville movie? He was in the remake one. Yeah. That's so weird. <laughs> interesting. Anyway. He actually, um, he's actually in the soundtrack for this movie too, because he he was like in a band for like a short while, and one of the songs that he was in was used in this movie, and I'm not quite sure what the song is, but there's like a part when they play it that you can hear his voice, which I think is kind of interesting. Hmm. That's so random. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that's bizarre. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking <laughs> of Ryan Gosling. Oh. Damn, I was hoping that would tie so well, but no, I'm sorry. That's even that odder, though. That's even weirder, Yeah, though. no, that's still weird. Yeah, it, it got weirder. At least there was a connection with the other one. <laughs> some now yeah. that's, just even, that's just even more odd. <laughs> okay, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last thing I want to say on this part is when they, they do the title card. Um, They might go into some of the family story before they have the Conjuring title card, but it is awesome yeah you like the big text when they, they, oh when they pan down to it like all fucking slow and it looks it was like vhs box <laughs> art type shit like uh i love that i love that yeah so i think what happens after that is that we go and we meet the family right and we go and they're moving into the house and the big thing that happens in that quick early scene is that the dog refuses to come inside which I've been a firm believer my whole life that if the dog or the children don't like somebody or don't like something that's a big sign and you should pay attention to it so honestly this is when they should have moved out anyways oh you're going that early already we, we should describe the family a little bit though to <laughs> some degree right and the fact that there's way too many children okay. like there's five and there could be three and the story would be the same but they're following the same <laughs> storyline whatever um they're five girls. <laughs> um, the oldest one doesn't want to be there. The youngest one looks like she's like five. Um, the oldest one's probably like 16. And the other ones are smattered between that. Um, Kim knows their names. Yeah. <laughs> Andrea, Nancy, Christine, Cindy, and April. And those are them by age. So eldest to youngest. Yes. I knew Andrea was the oldest because she has my name, and I think that's rude that somebody decided to put my name in a horror movie. Um, How do you think Kim feels with a dog being named? After my <laughs> dog? dog name. The dog's name is yeah. Sadie. The hell? <laughs> okay, so rude. well, <laughs> when did you get your dog? Um, Sadie's four. So you got it after 2013. Yeah, I mean, I didn't name her after this dog, but... <laughs> I know, but I feel like you could have thought about this. My name's been around since 1996, so I didn't have a choice in this. I'm, I'm going to name my dog Old Yeller. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I should lead us through what happened. 
I can start, and then one of you guys can pick up, like, midway if you want. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yes, this dog refuses to come in the house. They're unpacking from their move. Um, Nancy and Christine play a game that gets introduced and kind of carried throughout the rest of the movie called Hide and Clap. And midst way of, you know, unpacking, people finding their rooms, them playing their game, they find the cellar, which is boarded up for some reason. Of course, the dad says... I'm going to ignore that red flag and opens it up. Yeah. Secret basement. Yeah. And they go downstairs and it's, there's still stuff down there. So they just assume the previous owners just didn't want their stuff and left it, even though it's kind of weird that it's boarded up, but they just don't yeah. care. You know, stupid. Let, let's, let's forget the dog thing for just a second. Right. A- AJ, yeah. you move into a house uh-huh. and you trip in the closet <laughs> and, you knock yes. a, and, and you knock a hole into the secret basement. Yeah. You go downstairs, you see that it leads to a basement. Like, you take a flashlight and you look down. Is that, are you done? Yeah. Are you out? A hundred percent. Okay. I thought so. Well, one, I so. I'm never moving out of California, and California doesn't have basements because they're a problem with earthquakes. But two, um, <laughs> so that would be concerning anyways, because why would there be a basement that's not good for earthquakes? Um, but two, yes. The second you saw any old furniture down there, you're done. Yeah, no, that's fucking haunted shit. You need to get the fuck out. Okay. Just but also, sure. the dog is your first sign. If there's a dog and there's a hidden fucking basement, then you need to move out yesterday before you moved in. What about you, Kim? No dog, just just basement. Um, if I found just like a hidden basement, probably wouldn't freak me out that much. I mean, I wouldn't use it. I don't have like a lot of stuff to store. <laughs> Here's the problem. Kim's a non-believer and will fully get fucking, like, if she was put in this situation, she would fully get fucking possessed because she wouldn't believe her children. She wouldn't believe the dog. She wouldn't believe any of that. She wouldn't believe her significant other. And she would just keep going through it and being like, nah, fuck you, you're dumb. And then we all die. I agree with you, but that sounds like a roast. That was, that was... Well, no, I mean, it's not real. Well, so. she spent two minutes roasting me while I went to go get a drink. So that's my payback. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was brutal. It was... <laughs> 100%. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't really put much stock into it. I'd probably look through it in the morning. Nothing down there worth selling. Man, they could make some money. Um, Probably throw everything out. And yeah. I mean, I don't, I've never had a basement. So to be fair, I really wouldn't do anything with it. I wouldn't open it. I wouldn't go down there. I don't really need a basement. So it wouldn't freak me out. Now, other things, like if you talk about what happens next, the paranormal paranormal activities, those then, I feel like, would, you know, bug Mm -hmm. me. Like, I wouldn't be able to sleep well. Um, And then that probably would be enough to be like, "Mm, maybe this place isn't worth putting my time and money into. So I probably would move after that. But, I mean, it would have to be, like, enough to really bug me. And unexplainable, obviously. But I also would never buy a shit house like this, so... <laughs> the house is kind of grody. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote down that you should never buy a house from auction. Yeah. Um because you don't know what happened to it beforehand and like realistically, I think that's kind of classist of me because I think it's a good way to get a house probably for cheaper, but also you don't know what happened before and you should be concerned. Agreed. Yeah, you you'd want to you want to see the Carfax. <laughs> yeah. I was also live in the city. I wouldn't live in like a rural place like this, so I would I would have neighbors and I would I would be in a pretty well kept city. Kim would city. be the ghost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I 
All right, so, so sorry, continue from secret basement here. All right, so I'm I'm not quite sure which of these comes first, so I'm just going to kind of fly through both of these. I don't know when the transition from them to the Warrens happens, but um, like I mentioned before, paranormal events start happening within the first few nights. The clocks stop at exactly 3.07 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, a bird flies into the window and dies. Sadie is found dead in the backyard by the youngest, April, after barking incessantly during the night. She was left outside because she refused to come in at all. So um, sometime during the night, she was found. She died and she was found dead in the morning. Um, Okay. Yes. So here's the point where I have to bring something up. In the name of Molly, how dare they fucking kill the dog? Yeah, I was actually really glad Molly's not here for this episode. I was also glad. I mean, it typically happens. And it's really rude. And I think that that was, um, like, she does a lot of sketchy, rude shit, this fucking demon. But I think that the dog thing is pretty fucking bad. I mean, she makes people kill themselves. So I feel like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's also pretty fucking bad. I'm just saying. The dog thing is pretty bad, too. And, uh. (laughs) Comparable. (laughs) Justice for Sadie. (laughs) Oh, I don't want to say her name anymore because I think of my dog. I don't want to think about that. Okay, Kim, you can continue on now. Um, Christine, which is the third eldest child, gets her feet pulled during the night. Um, yes. And she has this really, uh, she smells something really rancid and blames her sister, thinking that she farted, um, which her sister Nancy <laughs> denies. And then Andrea, who has the only room to herself because she's the eldest, complains in the morning about the smell, and they just assume it's the plumbing or the basement. But the smell goes away the next morning when she's talking to her mom. So th- there's definitely like a little bit of like a lingering buildup to like things are kind of weird, but they could just be whatever, you know. Um. Oh, I don't know if the Christine part comes next when she sees the spirit behind the door. No, um, no. I think the clapping thing happens first. Yeah, we have we have. OK, so Carolyn, here's a clapping in the hallway with April. I have one of the first things um being when oh, the, the dad freaks out and it, it, well he hears sounds and he goes upstairs and they cut oh. to the daughter being at the top of the stairs it's a pretty good jump yeah. scare and it has yeah. no audio or anything it's just a well-earned startling moment it's really not cheap or anything it's it's really good and it's just the daughter innocently being uh scared because her sister is sleepwalking and banging her head against the cabinet yeah and that's probably the first like odd thing and then after that there's the the first time the mirror box is introduced yeah mm-hmm. so april has a friend um who they believe is imaginary called rory who only shows up when she plays the box that's like a music box that she found um under a tree i believe when they're playing outside earlier in the movie um very subtle it wasn't really like talked about as much and when you play the music box, you apparently can see Rory in the mirror behind you. So the mom, um, Carolyn, goes to like figure out who the fuck April's talking to. And that's when she tells her about Rory. And the mom tries to like, you know, play along and play the music and look into the mirror. And we don't see anything, but April, a little shit, decides to scare her mom. And... <laughs> 
then decide that she wants to play hide and club. I'm correct, right? And Skip, that's the part that you were talking yeah. about? Okay. No, yes, yes. Because the other sisters don't want to play with her because she's the youngest. Um, so the mom agrees. Smooth. And, um. Fair. She's irritating. <laughs> and she agrees Damn. that she would play with <laughs> that's her. That's the older sibling talking about the younger sibling, and I'm the youngest sibling being like, no, that's rude. <laughs> I'm the oldest sibling, so there we go. That's what I was saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the game, just to give a little bit of context, is... The person hiding has like a few minutes to hide, and then they have three claps that the person who is seeking um, gets to call out any time throughout the game until they find the person, and the person seeking has to have their eyes closed. And so it's kind of a, it's like a hide and seek, but with you can't see. Your eyes are closed, and you're you're going based off sound and touch, which is actually the worst game in history. Why the fuck would these kids think yeah. that's a good idea to play? But they did anyway. It's like a game you play in the pool. Yeah, like Marco yeah. Polo, you know, except with clapping. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when Carolyn is playing, she obviously asks for her first two claps and finds her way, finds herself walking to, I believe it's Nancy's room, no Andrea's room. No, it's on. Yeah. And she hear we see the the cabinets of the drawer open, like the doors open by itself. So we know something's up, but Carolyn doesn't. And on the last clap, we see two hands sneak out from behind, like, where the clothes are and give, like, the last final clap. Oh. And she starts, you know, she says that line of, like, I'm going to get you. And she goes towards the open drawer and she says, I can hear you breathing. And we can hear, like, heavy asthmatic breathing coming from, I don't know why she <laughs> thought it was a kid. Because that, that breathing was way too deep. The mom's not at all like, oh, fuck, are you Yeah, kidding? like, are you out of breath, <laughs> April? You're, like, five. Why are you breathing like that? And she's searching for her, and midway going through the clothes, April pops out from the back of the door, and she's like, I was in Nancy's room. Like, you weren't even close, which obviously kind of freaks Carolyn out, but not enough to do anything, yeah. so, you know. Also, side note, I played this game after watching the movie um, with a few friends. Why? I wa- it was fun, actually. Um, this is last week, right? No, yeah. no. It was after the movie, like, in high school. We actually did it at my house the other day. We used to play it in, like, some of the old classrooms after everyone left, like, after school when it got kind of, not dark, but, you know, we would stay late um, and we would play and it was pretty fucking fun. That's a side note, though. Oh, you're a fan. <laughs> I mean, I you definitely talk shit about it, like, five yeah, seconds ago. Well, we would throw stuff at each other to, like, fun. scare people. We would put stuff in people's way to fall. It, it was definitely, like, a lot more extreme than, you know, this. But it was based off the movie, so we didn't come up with it. It was just, like, a fun way to mess with people. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's a little side note. Uh, another page in the Kim Moore book that's <laughs> yeah. right now. But it was scary because, like, the classrooms were big and it was dark. But, you know, whatever. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine knocking desks over and shit. Just like the... That's literally what we did. We'd put desks in textbooks and stuff and we'd, like, throw stuff at people. And then we'd hide under the desks and tables. And it was, like, kind of crazy. But, you know. You were wild back then. <laughs> <laughs> Um, does okay. the rest of what happens to them happen next, or do we shift to the Warrens next? We shift to the Warrens, I right? Think. And then we get um, to the the night of Christine's really bad encounter. Yes, and that that yeah. Should I just yeah. cover that, or do you want to do you want to jump to the to the Warrens? You know, I feel it's... like the, all the Warren shit doesn't fucking matter until okay. they meet the the rest of yeah. the Thank family. Yeah, so I'll like, I'll bring that no, next. No, like then. 
like it's something that like we should reference that it exists yeah you know yeah. like okay. they do they do cut to like the warrens like you know feeding chickens and giggling and shit and kind of being cryptic and like oh, we had a tr- uh, we had troubles recently <laughs> but yeah. and they, they do get cut to a lot and i don't want to like take those scenes away because there's nothing necessarily wrong with them mm-hmm. but they're not important either it's just building a bit of at least who they are and what they do for sure but then all the important plot points get explained to the family later you know what i mean mm-hmm. like, yeah like all of the context is delivered later to the family so like you would still get not quite as much background but like 80 percent of it were none of that there Okay, I'll just I'll just go. Uh, that's just then. my opinion. Yeah. No, but if you like, uh, believe me, I'm not saying what what not to cover and what to cover. It's just. No, yeah. Uh, if we if we're skipping scenes, it's because I think they're kind of unimportant. Agreed. Yeah, that's why I was kind of unsure about how much to go into, but um, yeah, it it jumps you know a couple times to Ed and Lorraine trying to kind of build their own little story and kind of get to know who they are and what they do. Like I said, um, they are. They're, I don't want to call them ghost hunters, but they do reference themselves at one point. They do interviews. They're pretty famous. Um, they also do um, – they teach lessons and give lectures and interviews, like I said. Ed Warren is a demonologist, and Lorraine is also a demonologist, but she is also, in her words, um, psychic or clairvoyant, I think is the word that she uses in the movie. I'm not quite sure if I remember that correctly, but – She's the long. She's like a medium, that. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so they kind of work in tandem. Besides being married, they're also partners in solving cases that they're they choose to be assigned to. Um, they also have a daughter. I'm totally forgetting her name at the moment. I wrote it down and I can't find it, but I'll find it in a second because she comes later in the movie. Um, but they also have a young daughter back home and kind of live with. I believe it's Lorraine's mom. Who helps take care of their yeah. child as when they go do their cases and whatnot. And they do reference to the fact that they had a previous case that did bother Lorraine. And it was really traumatic for them. And they're still trying to kind of move forward dealing with the trauma that happened with that particular case. And they are the ones who recently investigated Annabelle. And they kind of give a tour of their, their museum where they keep um, haunted and possessed artifacts to keep them safe. That gets blessed, I believe he said, every month by a priest, if I'm not yeah. correct. Once a month. Once yeah. a month by a priest. Um, and they keep Annabelle in a special case locked away. And it's it's not really viewed. It's more so for them to keep an eye on all these items and keep them safe where they won't be let out or touched or messed with. Didn't they say that Annabelle was never haunted specifically, though? That demons don't haunt yeah. items, they haunt yeah. people, but yet the doll was still, like, somehow... Like, not that the doll ever does anything fucky, like, in the movie. Like, at the end, she shows up, but she's just a doll, like, in, even in that scene, being held by a demon. So I guess, I, I guess I'm asking more of a question of how the hell Annabelle the movie works. Well, they're saying <laughs> you know? that it's, it's not a ghost, that it's a demon. Mm-hmm. So that it's not oh. a ghost don't haunt items, they haunt people, but, but things that take form to possess an item to then possess the people is something that's inhuman that's never been human, which is a demon. Mm-hmm. So because the because okay. in the beginning, what the story was, and I guess I'll go over that too real quick. I mean, we already talked about it, but that the nurses thought that Annabelle was the spirit of a young little girl who wanted, you know, to find someone to take care of her and to be friends. And she wanted to possess the doll in order to have something to cling on to. And the nurses agreed because they thought that it was the ghost of a child. 
but they explain to them that it's not possible to be a ghost because ghosts do not possess items. They're just entities that, you know, possess the place that they're in or, you know, they haunt people, but they don't possess people. But the fact of the matter that it was able to possess a doll specifically shows that it's not a ghost. It had to be something else. And the only other thing that has that ability, quote unquote, is an inhuman spirit, which is a demon. So that's how they knew that it was never a child or a person. It was something from, uh, figuratively oh. from hell is what they're trying to I, get to. I, I read that differently. I read it as it was yeah. just a demon going around and dropping the doll in places because the doll never moved itself. Like they, the demon was just yeah. moving the doll to fuck with them. Because I remember like, distinctly they said, so the doll was never possessed. And they were like, no. Yeah, that's 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 what I, I thought. Because it wanted to possess them, so I guess it never really, like, fully took... Honestly, the rest... Like, it was just moving the doll to fuck with them. Yeah, it was, but it was using it as, like, what to latch onto and how to get close to them. So it didn't possess it in the sense that she could move and she could talk, and it was just stuck within that entity at that time. It was more like it was doing that to be able to get close to them because they thought it was a child. And presented itself as a child, and that's how it used its tool. Honestly, they don't really they acknowledged it, yeah, I think they said, and the acknowledgement invited it. it exactly. I think they acknowledged the possibility of a doll being like possessed, but it is very yeah, wonky in doing so because the rest of the yeah. Annabelle films kind of put it now again in murky water where it doesn't really make sense, and there's a lot of plot issues with the rest of it. So, to be fair, what happens in this film with Annabelle isn't even like. I don't want to say isn't true, but isn't in line with the further explanation they give onto the doll because it changes and it doesn't make sense. Especially Annabelle so creation. Like, Annabelle, Annabelle like walks around and shit in those movies? or In the actual Annabelle movie itself, yeah. It, it's like what happens before it's brought here. So it, if it would have been one and two, it maybe would have made sense with a bit of hiccups. But then they made Annabelle creation and the Annabelle comes home. And those just are those just fuck up everything because now it's like, oh, she was created and there were satanic rituals. But then in Annabelle itself, it was like, no, she was like a, a, a girl from the 70s who joined the cult and then killed herself and then got into the doll. It doesn't make sense. The, the origin of oh, her okay. spirit doesn't really make sense. So... Okay. It, you know, okay. just making yeah. sure you're 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 my guide to these movies. <laughs> I thought there was only two Annabelle films. I didn't realize there were three. Yeah, and they just all kind of build. And it, it honestly, I didn't like the last two Annabelles enough to watch more than like one or two times. So I <laughs> I really don't know those that well. But it just doesn't make sense. It's just kind of all over the place with continuity for that particular doll. You sound like me with the shitty Resident Evil movies. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's really bad. I only saw it three times. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to revisit them because I'm like, are they as bad as I thought they were? Or was I just being too like harsh? And then I watched them and I was like, yeah, they weren't that great. <laughs> I like movies and franchises that make sense. And this one kind of doesn't. Like paranormal activity. Mm. <laughs> I think we give we give leeway to like Halloween as well because like, yeah. Halloween fucking sucks like as a franchise. They try, but I think I think they're probably they tried really hard to be creative and keep things in line with each other, but you know didn't really didn't really <laughs> go the way they wanted it to. I just it's hard to bring in Paul Rudd and still fuck up. Oh, I still True. like the movie just for Paul Rudd. Not gonna lie. 
It's the worst, <laughs> but he's beautiful in it, so. I decided what my movie's going to be. Oh, God. But I'm not going to tell you guys. What? I'm not going to tell you guys right now. Text it to Molly right now. Okay. I'll text it to Molly. And But you have to put in it, like, don't say, like, your eyes only, and then say the name of the movie, and then we'll address this later. Okay. Okay. So we're good. <laughs> Where were we? With yeah, the I don't know. <laughs> oh, I have no fucking I don't, clue. Okay. okay. Where we were was we need to discuss the door scene. Yes. That was creepy. It, it starts with a similar um theme to earlier where i'm sorry what was that daughter's name i don't remember anyone's names in any of these christine's getting her like feet pulled again and she's again blaming nancy and it's not her stinky farts this time it's a spooky ghosty so she ends up waking up and then she checks under her bed because she hears something and there's a cool like upside down shot of her reaching under the bed and it's really suspenseful the entire time and then the door opens while she's looking under the bed so it's like she's looking under the bed and you're expecting something and then the door creaks open she pans up and they do it in a really dramatic way that makes you think something's going to jump at you the second you reach the top of the bed but it doesn't and you don't see anything but the door kind of creak open and she's clearly mortified at something she sees that we as an audience cannot see she wakes up her sister her sister can't see anything and she even stands up and goes to the corner of the door to be like you see there's nothing here and then of course you get the it's behind you and uh then you get a, a spooky sound but you never really get that big jump scare but uh it's a suspenseful scene it's it's hard to watch because you're really expecting at any second for something to scare the shit out of you yeah i agree I think that it's, I was very much, like, thinking I couldn't see it. Like, I was like, is it because I'm in a lit room? Like, why can't I see what she's looking at? Like, is it going to pop out at me? What the fuck is going to happen? And also just something about that acting. Like, I think it was really good because I think it really just, like, was so unsettling to watch this little girl just be, like, so terrified. Yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's great. It's it's really unsettling, even when I'm used to like bracing myself for jump scares. It's it goes on for an uncomfortably long time. I think too. Yeah, absolutely. Kim. Um. Yeah. No. It. I mean, we did get a little bit of a scare when the door closes, and she does yeah. say like that the ghost was talking to her and saying that she wants her family dead. I mean, which yeah. again, like. In the moment, it's more like, okay, she was sleepwalking or had a nightmare or something. But I guess it tells us that there's something there that's malevolent, which you've kind of already <laughs> kind of can get that hint. But it, it adds to the fact that, like, this thing chooses who it wants to talk to and who it wants to really fuck with, which gives it a bit more of, like, damn, this is kind of a mean bitch. <laughs> like... <laughs> We see Rory, which is April's friend, who is a child, and now I guess it kind of pans to, like, maybe this isn't a child, or maybe it's more yeah. than one, you know, spirit that's haunting this place. So it sort of broadens a bit as to, like, what exactly is going on here, and what exactly is this. So I think isn't it's a great that scene. the one that happens the same time as what happens to the mom happens? I'm sorry? One more time. <laughs> 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 Isn't that <laughs> what was that sentence? <laughs> Isn't that the scene that happens at the same time that the mom is like in the basement? No. Okay, what happens when that happens? Oh, do we talk about the the clap uh 
that no, happens that happened, after. hasn't happened yet. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. The yes. scene that you're okay, thinking you're of is um, oh, that's Andre and Cindy in the bedroom. Yes, I know what you're talking about now. I oh, have that's clapping. scary. Yes, that's after the second clapping scene. Oh, that's so scary. Both of those things are so scary. Why did we watch this movie? Because it's scary. <laughs> I, I want to comment on before we forget it because it's been kind of going on in the background and we haven't brought it up is the mother is mm-hmm. consistently being bruised. Yes. Like she's waking up with bruises and then the morning after the door incident where uh, you said Christina, right? <laughs> I can Christine. never remember names. I'm so bad. Christine. Uh, Christine is saying that the demon spoke to her and said that she wanted her family dead. Uh, the mom wakes up with, like, the worst bruises yet. Like, she's really fucked up and, like, folding laundry yeah. the next morning. Yeah, and the father works, I believe, in transportation. I think he's a truck driver. Um, but yeah. essentially, it leads him to be gone for a few days and nights doing, you know, his job. So that's why he's not as present with the girls and with um, the mom because he's he's working because the house was expensive and they had to well not expensive but you know they have to make ends meet somehow so I mean there's five of them yeah paying for the kids and you know it it is a lot for one person to really provide for so he's doing a lot of that for most of this do you want to go to the Um, big scene now I'm probably gonna butcher it but I can try you're gonna get AJ's version of highlights not necessarily real highlights okay Okay. I think we can this. So, the mom was folding laundry in her room, and she all of a sudden heard, I think she heard clapping, mm-hmm. like she thought that they were playing the game. Mm-hmm. So she goes out, and she's like, girls, it's late. So then you watch her check on each kid, and you're like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And she, like, checks on them. She, like, moves one's arm back in her bed. She's like, okay, all the girls are asleep. They all seem healthy and fine. And then she gets to the top of the stairs, and all of a sudden, all of the photo frames just come crashing down at the same time. And I believe this is when I said, fucking move. I think that's when my first fucking move was. Because normally, Mm -hmm. I'm very known for thinking you should move the second anything weird happens. And realistically, I agree that it should have happened when the dog was mad, but it took me a while. Anyways, so that all crashed down to the floor. And you're like, it was loud as fuck. And I'm like, how are the children still asleep? But whatever. Then you see her go downstairs. She like, I don't know if she hears the door open or why she goes downstairs. But she, oh, she thinks somebody's in the house. And so she walks down the stairs and then the door to the basement's open. And you hear her like open that door and like yell down like, whoever you are, like, leave us alone. And then she turns around to leave and the door slams shut. And then I think she gets thrown down the stairs of the basement. Um, and something spooky happens at the same time. Um, is that the clap scene? It comes during that, yes. It's it's after, yeah. Like the okay, door so she slams like, and then yeah, she, go. she either gets pushed or falls. I, I think I she falls. Remember, but like, yeah, the door slams and it scares her so much she rolls down the stairs. Okay, and then what happens while she's down the stairs? I don't remember. A ball falls off. She's, like, looking around because the light's on because she turned it on. And a ball falls from, like, a pile that it was at. Like, it rolls over to her. And then the light bulb shatters. And that's when she's kind of trying to struggle back up the stairs in the dark. And then when she sits down, the door won't open. She can't open it. 
and she like lays back and then all of a sudden to the side of her you see two hands come out and they clap she has a match and then she lights yeah. the oh match. she's a match yeah and then you see the two hands and they clap and it's a fucking brilliant scene it's very scary probably the most iconic yeah and the the, the ghost does repeat what the girls have been saying which is do you want to play hide and clap so just to yeah. show that you know yeah they've been listening and they've been present and it's the same hands that we recognize them from the scene before when she sees the hand oh it doesn't see but the hands come out of the closet the last yeah. time she was playing with april so at the same time that that happens you go upstairs and then you hear um the one sister is um laying in bed andrea and she's laying in bed and she hears the, her other sister sleepwalking again. And she's like running, her, ramming her head into the thing again. And so she gets up and she goes and she's like, does what her dad does, which is like put her hand in between her and the wall, her head in the wall. And then she guides her back into bed. And when she guides her back in the bed, she hears the slamming again. So she walks towards the door and her sister gets up, wakes up and like looks up. And at the same time that she like, what the fuck was that? Is that is it the pop? That my my chair, I think, when I moved. Oh my god! It sounded like clapping, and it scared the <laughs> shit out of me. <laughs> hey, it's coming from your apartment. You gotta know what to tell you. I'm not in my apartment. We're <laughs> the parents' house because <laughs> it's just a pop when I like. It was like the chair creaking. We should have said okay, nothing, sure. Aaron. We should have just been like, "What? What noise? That's all you." I, I really should have been, but. That was she. She stopped. Like, like she, <laughs> it scared the shit out of me because I was, was already thinking about the scene, and the scene is scary. <laughs> <laughs> okay, someone else has to finish the scene. I can't. You're do almost it. done. It's just the thing on top. Yeah, there's a scary ass thing. So she's like standing, and her little sister's like sitting up in bed, and it's still like slamming, or it stops. And so she like opens it up and is like looking around, and then her sister like makes a noise, and so she looks at her sister, and then she looks up where her sister's looking, and you see the scary ass thing up top, and it jumps at her, and then I the dad we, comes home. I guess we know what that thing is, but not yet. Right? Yeah. And like. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's like a. I mean, the thing's a demon. Yeah, it's a it's a horrible demon woman that comes. She's on top of the dresser. She roars and <laughs> attacks. Yeah. The little girl and it's. I I really like that scene. I think it's probably the second most like iconic moment for me. I think about it a lot when I think about the Conjuring. I associate it with clapping and the dresser demon. <laughs> um, and I just like how the movie at that point abandons all subtlety because the movie's kind of subtle yeah until then you know mm-hmm. like the clapping's really as intense as it gets and then this time they're like ah fuck it here's a demon just like full-on showing up and attacking sorry that popping noise scared the shit out of me i'm still so stressed <laughs> <laughs> i literally just like shifted in my chair i know i understand <laughs> i just <laughs> it sounded like clapping right when i was explaining that fucking scene and it was just like are you fucking kidding me She's going to hear it at night and be like, oh, Aaron, is that your chair? (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) How much do you think we'd scare AJ if we were to, like, call in to do this podcast, like, over Discord like we typically do, but we're in, like, a car outside her house? (laughs) We just start clapping (laughs) outside our window. knock on her door, like, midway. She'd be scared. I'd be very scared, but also, I feel like I would notice if you were in a car. Mm. No. No. 
No, it'd be, it'd be easy. All right, so we'll do that at some point. I'll text you. <laughs> okay, we'll plan it. Okay, great. You guys are going to we'll... drive all the way to fucking San Diego just to scare me? Yeah. Oh, Damn it. Be, and Kim's it'd, been it'd to be, my apartment now. Facts. I know which one it really is. It'd be really funny. It'd be really funny and really easy. Yeah. It'd be really awful, and I'd never be able to sleep again. Ooh, you're making it more enticing. I'm just saying. You're really selling it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we still got a good bit. To yeah, we got here. a we lot. Are, are yeah, <laughs> somebody else has to go. My story is too long. I would long. argue this movie is slightly too long. Yeah, it's an hour fifty-one minutes, just for reference. So almost two hours. Yeah, I think they could lose a good ten, fifteen. Yeah. But anyway, we can get to that. We can get to that. Um, so the scariest shit ever happens. Oh yeah, the the dresser and the dad attack. comes in. And the dad, like, opens the door to his wife and lets her out. And then they both run upstairs and go to the kid's room. And then are, like, hugging her while... And then everyone's, like, freaked the fuck out. And then the next thing that happens is the Warren family is giving a presentation. And um, Caroline shows up to it. Yes. And at the uh, at the end of it, she, she, asks to meet, she asks to meet with the Warrens personally. Which they're kind of, like, skeptical about, and they're kind of like, no, 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 and then she's like, please, and she, like, starts to describe it, and they're like, okay, fine. Or she does the whole, like, I have five daughters, and they can't yeah. sleep, like, please, please, and they're like, okay, fine. They're, they're actively trying to avoid taking on new cases due to the trauma given to them on, like, their last one. Yeah. But they agree to go to the, um, wow, fuck, I, why can't I remember names? What's wrong with me? Who are you referring um, to? What's the name of the the last name of the family? Perrin. Not the yeah, Lawrence. I don't. Oh, Perrin. Perrin. Okay. Um, when they then they show up at the Perrin house and immediately, um, the Warrens are you know having that so Raven moments and being like, yo, this place be spooky. <laughs> That's so Raven. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually have it as a note that the movie actually does a good job of setting up the Warrens as being likable so that when they're in a house being like, oh shit, bad vibes in here, oh yeah. no, that you don't like want to roll your eyes at them or, or doubt them. They, I think that well, while a lot of what they do or the, what they show throughout their, their early parts of the movie, while it's not super like plot important, it does help you swallow the pill that... Um, for the rest of the movie, it's gonna be like, oh man, I just had a vision, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but they it do does... that. Good. They do that scene where they're at that one family's house, and they just prove that like it's fully just like a housing thing. Like they're like, this isn't real, and this isn't real, and it's just that you guys like have bad plumbing. And I you're think lonely that, that... And your pipes suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that did like a lot for their credibility and your like interest in believing in them because when they then are scared and they then seem super um, shocked by the stuff that's happening, then you're like, oh shit, this is a big deal. Like these people are shocked, you know? Absolutely. I've totally forgot to bring up that scene and like that is perfect. Yeah. That's a, that's a super important scene. And then they, the, the, the parents give a lot of details without being prompted to. They're like, yo, this place smells like ass. And they're like, oh, shit, that's not usually what people say. And that's like a common actual demon thing. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. It's or it's really just... cold. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 they're a little too specific, you know? Yeah. They notice the bruises on her. Yeah. Um, uh. So they're all sleeping downstairs when they come in. 
and then we enter investigation ghost adventures version of this movie yes um i they also have a brief little uh, trope i love and it's the family that's been living in a haunted house so long that it's kind of commonplace like they don't think about it they're like yeah and the clock stop at 307 oh don't do that yeah. it'll do this you know yeah. uh, i think poltergeist has a really great couple of scenes where they're like yeah you know horrible shit happens at around 4 p.m every day <laughs> um yeah. i really love that that little trope and they kind of get to give their tour like that but it's less comical and more depressing yeah agreed um where should we continue <laughs> so ghost adventures happens yes um and then you get like this whole thing where there's a cop who doesn't believe in it and there's another guy who flirts with their daughter and <laughs> <laughs> they're just like watching and they set up all these traps in the house and nothing happens at first and then the one girl then they're the cop sees a maid like nothing happens for like a long time i feel like and then the cop sees a maid and she's like slit her wrist and is like she did this to me and you're like oh shit and it's kind of creepy and he's like what the fuck and then <laughs> <laughs> and then um the little girl starts sleepwalking and then they, she triggers a bunch of cameras and they're like about to go stop her and she they're like no she's not triggering the cameras the ghost is triggering the cameras and then she goes into a room and she they close the door and she disappears and um they have to get like this uv light to figure out where she goes and so it's the same room that has the big um dresser that the creepy ghost is on top of or demon was on top of and you're like what the fuck is where'd she go and so it's like this whole panic moment for a few minutes where they finally figure out that she's behind the dresser and you have to like um move a wall in the dresser to find a hole and i guess that's where rory hides and then they get her out and then they go back downstairs and um all the like uh crosses start shaking because they put crosses up to make the demon angry and the crosses start shaking and then i don't know which daughter it might be um andrea but um or andrea i don't know how they pronounce it i don't remember but um she gets her like hair picked up and then she starts getting dragged across the floor by her hair and it takes until um, Lorraine cuts it for her to stop moving around, which is quite a way to get a haircut, honestly. And oh, they get that didn't... all on. F- sorry, what? sorry. We didn't explain the hanging and all of that. Yeah, we also like, skipped oh, another yeah. important part before. Yeah. We yeah. kind of, I think we, we jumped we, a bit too, cause, too far because it's, yeah. Yeah, we do. We do need to get to yeah. We start moving through, but we do need to bring up there's yeah earlier okay. parts as well. Do you want to explain that part real quick, and then AJ can resume the hanging one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So this goes back to the investigation. So we're gonna take it back um, to the beginning when the Warrens arrive at the house and they kind of do a walkthrough of the house to investigate everything. Um, what happens is they go room from room to where the most activity happens, which is the bedroom um up the stairs and the cellar and outside of the property um so carolyn tells uh lorraine about rory at one point and that is when she lorraine does the same thing that carolyn did earlier with the music box plays the music and she's able to see rory in the background confirming to herself that there is a spirit at least one there in the moment um when she goes outside to walk on the property there is a big tree overlooking, I believe, a lake. 
Um, yeah. And she hears the sound of a rope, like the tugging of a rope. And Ed comes out after her and kind of to get, you know, touch base as to like how she feels, if she feels anything there. And when she turns around, she sees the hanging feet of a dead body or the ghost, obviously, of a dead body hanging behind Ed, hanging from the tree. And um, obviously it's it's really unsettling, a settling moment because all you can see really is like part of the legs and the feet. But from what you can tell, it's definitely like discolored and creepy. It's mostly the sound work that makes it really creepy. The sound of the rope from the body hanging yeah. is what's really unnerving. Um, also, before we go back to, you know, what we were saying, um, there's a whole part where Ed and Lorraine do research on the history of the house and what they were able to find. So this is where we get the most information as to what happened on this property, who were the spirits, and sort of the story of why it's haunted and what's going on. So I'll go through that really, really quickly. Um, they discover that the house belonged to, I believe they said an accused witch back in the days um named Bathsheba Her sister from a town was an accused witch yeah from a town who sacrificed her baby to the devil and killed herself i believe it was like 1800 so like you know back in the days at 307 in the morning which is why you know the clocks tented they ended up stopping at that time and after, during her death or before she killed herself, she cursed her land and anyone who would reside on it. Um, and that's kind of where the curse began, where her spirit kind of haunted and possessed anyone who built or went upon her land. And there were reports of murders and suicides happening in the house after it was built on her property. Um, it was like a maid. I think they mentioned like the maid who killed her son and committed suicide. There was a neighbor boy who also drowned in that lake um, and other properties that it was built over as well. And then that's when they get into gathering the evidence, which is the bells around the house and the cameras and whatnot. And just to give the characters names, the assistant they bring in, his name is Drew. And I think the officer is like um, Hamilton. But he's from the city that they're in. He's he's a local I police thought his officer. Name was Brad. I think that's his first name. I think Hamilton's his last name, from oh. what I remember. Okay. Um, and they bring them to as assistants, but also because um, Brad, I'm assuming, is his name. I called him Hamilton. Yeah. But Brad is also a cop, so he can also oversee things. But also, um, he's a skeptic, so they're bringing another pair of eyes to kind of verify what happens there from an objective standpoint. I'm assuming. Also, what happens um, while they're there, after, you know, they set up the bells, nothing happens the first night, uh, much to Brad's satisfaction. It reaches through a seven and nothing happens. The next morning, um, Ed and Roger take the kids for ice cream. So the only one that's home oh, is yeah. Carolyn. And she um, she's taking a nap or she's yeah i think she's sleeping yeah and bathsheba oh yes yes i remember now um bathsheba is looming over her and when she wakes up to this like shock she feels something and on top of her is the spirit of bathsheba screams into her mouth and vomits into her mouth and kind of showing that in that way there's contact and now she is fully possessed Outside of the house, 
Lorraine was doing laundry because only the guys, for some reason, took the children. And Lorraine was doing laundry outside, hanging up the clothesline. <laughs> um, well, they get ice cream. Yeah. They didn't even ask her what she Literally. <laughs> um, when she's doing that, one of the sheets lets loose. And then it kind of ties around an oh, invisible yeah. figure. And then that figure and the towel the linen flies to the window and we see now someone standing in the window walking inside and that's when lorraine gets worried and goes to see because that window happens to be of course carolyn's room so they kind of tie into the fact that that she was letting herself be known that like i'm doing some shit to her and when lorraine gets up to see if carolyn's okay she's kind of off she comes out from the bathroom and she doesn't really want to speak to her and seems very confused and goes straight to pretending that the kids came home when we really can't hear anything outside. So her character's kind of off and her behavior's off, showing that she's been possessed and Lorraine is kind of iffy about her. And then from there, we get what happens during the night, which is Cindy sleepwalking, the EVPs, um, her walking into the wardrobe, and etc., etc. The hair, The hair scene and whatnot. Yeah, the hair yeah. scene. And then Lorraine goes into the passage. And that's where I, I think if you want to continue on. Well, I thought from there they take the, they were going to go to the priest. Okay. Yeah, this, and... is, this is where I would love for just real, real quick, just I think this movie gets off the rails and like it's pacing at the end here. I think absolutely the way we were just describing the movie makes the most sense. From then on throughout the night, they decide to go into the little passage that continues the rest of the movie but in between there's this oh, big swath of them just fucking off and leaving and talking to a priest trying to get in a thing they dick around with the warren's home life and the daughter again and all of this happens just for them to come back and basically continue from where they left off yeah but it's like a rogue 15 minutes in this movie and i think all of it does serve a purpose it's not like it all shouldn't be there it's just kind of weird pacing-wise to, like, be in what feels like the climax of this movie, leave for a little bit, and then finish the climax. What Maybe. I don't understand is why do they bring the daughter into it and that whole thing with Annabelle into it? I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Like, honestly. Uh, Kim, what do you, what do you think about all that? About which part? The priest part or the, oh, her name's Judy. The Annabelle thing. Name. And the daughter. Yeah. yeah. The, all, all, like the Annabelle stuff with the daughter. It really doesn't have to be there, right? I mean, it does for the sake of setting up a continuation, but it also shows that Annabelle is, although a background character, the one to really look out for. She's kind of like the baddie behind, you know, what's going on right now. And it just kind of reminds us that although we're dealing with something in this house right now, there is also another greater evil that even though it's not as important right now, will come back and will play a role at some point, if not in this movie, then the next. I just think as like a standalone film, it doesn't make the most sense. Yeah, I feel like it could have come earlier and it would have been better, but I feel like it interrupts the ending action for a little bit and then just to continue it, you know? I mean, maybe I'm a little biased because I've seen all of them, but it kind of tends to do this where... Um, demons that are a part of their entire, like, repertoire, their their whole, like, resume, I should say, that they've dealt with um, previously are always in play. So there's always, 
in a way, it's like they always have enemies. And even though they're dealing with one single case, it doesn't mean that the other entities or demons that they encounter aren't also there and still looking for a way to, like, defeat them. I guess it puts them as, like, an ultimate good versus the multiple bads that are still looking to bring them down. And they do this in the second movie as well, which does try to tie into this movie too, which, I mean, I guess I can spoil it for you after if you want, but um, it, it has that same kind of feel where... They're dealing with one thing, but just kidding, there was a big baddie hiding behind it all along. And I think they kind of try and do that with this, too. Again. Yeah, I guess they need to show that their ghost prison isn't safe either. You know, they need to show, like, oh, look how quickly they were able to release the ghosts from... And I mean, it works. People really, out of this whole movie, I think Annabelle is the one that people really remembered more so than Bathsheba herself. Like, the ghost, the actual you know, villain, or I should call her villain, but the actual demon that's, you know, the main person in this particular movie, but people remember Annabelle more than her and reference her more than Bathsheba. So in a way, it worked. And I was thinking that throughout this movie that there were so many, like, really cool scenes that were really freaky and fucked up involving Bathsheba. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Bathsheba that were like were really disturbing, and I was shocked I didn't remember because they're such impressive visuals. Like I love the throwing up under the pillow. Sorry, I guess I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but there, there's a lot of cool scenes involving her that I'm shocked don't come to my mind when I think of this movie. But Annabelle comes to my mind way quicker than any of those shots, and I really think um, that. Lily Taylor later is hella iconic and her performance is crazy good as she's possessed and the the makeup they put on her is so disturbing uh and it's I really only appreciated it this time yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah I agree but you know I I mean I I don't personally like the ending part of this I don't like I don't like her makeup I think it made me laugh and not it didn't really scare me really okay yeah i mean the only reason why i think that kind of look works for evil dead is because it already is an exact it's very exaggerated and i I saw the original it just it didn't really scare me i i wasn't not not to say that it was bad i just think it didn't have an effect on me and that was just that's just me but i can agree that like her acting was pretty good i think i just don't like when it has that whole like the voice change and the weird like the weird yelling that sounds like a pterodactyl like it's it doesn't do anything for me it doesn't scare Mm. me it doesn't really unsettle me i feel like i've seen that kind of look already before in many movies a la exorcist that it it doesn't really win me over whereas i think the franchise has a lot of other villains that i feel like are a lot more scary like that nun bitch that's some scary makeup i fuck with that shit Whereas this, I feel like, is just a bit like, I've seen this done before, that it's not... It, it's always an exorcism where they make him look like that and give them, like, a different voice and try to make them sound like an animal. It just doesn't do anything for me, but that could just be my desensitation to, like, desense... Yeah, to this whole, like, I don't want to call it trope, but this whole 
I guess it is no, a trope. I think you're yeah, right. I guess trope. it is a trope. I think trope's fair. I think that that's interesting that you would just dislike that trope overall, and I guess that does factor into like you were saying with like Evil Dead, like my love for Evil Dead, which is like almost all of that shit, and which explains why you just don't like. That. It just doesn't do it for me. It's not bad. I mean, but to me, I was kind mm-hmm. of like, oh, this is what they're going with—a full-on exorcism. Okay, and it 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 cheapened it for me. I was I was up to this movie. I really liked it. Probably up to that part. I was just really not fucking with it. And what? it didn't work for me. What do you think would have, like, what were their other options, you know? Like, what do you think would have made it better for you? I I prefer movies that are a bit more... I mentioned this before. I, I, I will. I like, as much as I like gore and as much as I like stuff like this, I definitely do like when it comes to ghost genre part, the portion of this genre that deals with ghosts and demons to be a bit more subtle like like paranormal not all of them obviously but i yeah. i kind of fuck more with the whole like unseen it's more realistic yeah. to me the idea of like what happens in the first part of this movie the sounds the random smells like things that that seem like they could actually happen whereas to me this kind of i wouldn't call it body modification horror but this kind of um facial distortion and voice change to me i don't believe in that stuff so it takes it from being something that seems that could be real to now, oh, okay, this is, it doesn't, it's not believable anymore. So you are you not a fan of the, the dresser top scene then? Not really. Like, it didn't really scare me. It had, like, the loudness to it. And, like, obviously, like, jump scares are effective in the moment that it makes the loudness and the shock does make you jump. But in overall, it, it probably isn't one of my favorite moments interesting but i get why it would scare people like my mom screamed when she saw that part so i i prefer <laughs> liking people's reactions to it because i know i know it's effective and i mean not to say that yeah. i didn't jump the first time i saw it i obviously did but you know after watching this movie as many times as i have once jump scares kind of take its toll it's no longer effective so you're just kind of left with what's there without the appeal of the jump scare and from that i'm kind of like mm. It was okay. Yeah. But, I mean, that's not to trash it. I definitely think Exorcist movies include this for a reason. I, I know why they make him look that way. I know why they distort the voice. I, I get it. I get what they're doing. I get why they do it. It's just for me personally. It it just doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't add anything yeah. to me. So This is also the heart of that shit being popular as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And we're still recovering from this fucking era you know yeah there are a lot of extra <laughs> movies that came out so i guess that's also a lot of it slightly by like jordan peele and like the halloween reboot but that's about it yeah <laughs> no agree um so i guess we should kind of go into i guess we've kind of already talked about the possession of mm. um so the they go of carolyn yeah they go to a motel and then essentially and there's like all this other stuff that happens but essentially carolyn takes two of the youngest kids and goes back to the house with them and dad comes home and finds out that she's gone and so she he calls ed and lorraine and they come over immediately and um they all go back to the house together realizing that like they always possess the mother to kill the children yes and going to save the two children that she took which is why three children would be fine because she <laughs> takes two like one why does she take two she could have just taken one but also 
Like, I feel like she could have still taken two and there have only been three. Like, you would have had one left to still tell the story. And... <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, someone had to tell Dad where they went. Okay. From a plot perspective. Okay. <laughs> From a plot perspective. I thought, I thought you meant the demon was like, leave one to tell the others. <laughs> I was like, that's dark. No, Jesus I meant Christ. from a plot perspective. <laughs> <laughs> so they get to the house. When Ed and Lorraine show up to the house, um, the husband and Carolyn are downstairs, and Carolyn's trying to stab one of the children with a pair of scissors, and they're, like, pulling her apart and pulling her away from the child, and then they come in and they help, and then they get her separated, and then they end up tying her to a chair. They put a sheet over her and tie her to a chair to start the exorcism, and they have to go, uh, then the other guy has to go find the other child, which... Is also kind of a weird subsection of storyline. Mm-hmm. I get why it happens, but it's also kind of weird that, like, all of a sudden it just, like, shoots, like, you go from this massive exorcism that's really intense to just this guy looking for this little kid. At, at least he's in the house, though. He didn't go home and ask a priest if he should go back first. <laughs> he, he just was immediately in the house looking for him. Yeah. True. Um,. So there's this whole exorcism going on. Does anyone else want to go into the details of the exorcism? No, we can continue. Like Aaron said the blood puke yeah. goes all over the inside, and then the bag tears, and it's switching between um, Carolyn's face and the demon's face. I enjoy that a lot. And then there's a part where the chair starts to levitate after they think they've had success with the exorcism uh, during the really intense. I mean, there's all sorts of shit going on as he's reading from. <clears throat> the book and uh just delivering the exorcism shit's flying everywhere and it's just a ton of screaming and puking blood and then eventually it all stops the chair levitates flips upside down and sticks to the ceiling and it's it's really fucking cool yeah it is pretty fucking cool honestly and it's not a scene i think of when i think of this movie but it should be and then when she somebody tells it to let her go and so the demon drops her and the chair splits and everyone runs to Caroline and then they're like, wait, grab her. And at the same time that that's all happening, the other dude finds the little kid. And so he announces where she is. And so Caroline scurries away like a little creepy demon mm-hmm. trying to find the little kid and she grabs the scissors like she's going to go kill him. And everyone runs different places at the same time to try to beat her to this child. But, um, oh shit, what's her name? Who's? The Warren wife. Lorraine. Lorraine. I kept thinking Urraine, and I was like, that's not a name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lorraine, um, runs upstairs and goes, like, through the ground and so like it ends up in this place where ed's on one side her husband's on the other side she's holding the scissors and the baby or carolyn's holding the scissors and the baby and the rains put her hand down the hole and is like touching her head and so like um they say that she needs to fight from the inside and so the husband's like yelling things about how she's a good mom or like she loves her children or whatever and Lorraine is, like, putting into this her head this image that she had taken earlier, had, like, picked up earlier from Carolyn about the mall at the beach. And she's, like, sending it back to her in this, like, weird mystical way. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> 
and then some combination of all these things makes Carolyn fight back, and then all of a sudden she, like, drops the scissors and lets go of the child, and then um, she, like, fights back and now longer is possessed, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's... Edipin issues the exorcism. It's like yeah. Yeah, it's like a combination of exorcism and good memories. And yeah. I think it's just thematic, but light. <laughs> it definitely seems as well, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of light being reflected, which might blend into some of the religious aspects of this movie as well, which there's a lot. And there's a whole thing where she, like, walks out into the light afterwards and her heel, her bruises heal up again. And they, like, all of a sudden she doesn't have bruises anymore. Yeah, that's the scene I hate the most about this movie. That's when her, her bruises heal as she leaves the the house i think that's just personally the dumbest shit yeah that's fair i see that i don't necessarily i hadn't really thought about it i just thought it was kind of weird they they could have done like so like if like she had huge bags under her eyes and when she left she looked you know more like herself yeah or like she she looked less haunted and you know emaciated or whatever and looked much more normal afterwards that's one thing but the bruises healing was just lame to me <laughs> i don't know no, agreed agreed um should we get into final thoughts then yeah i mean um kim usually has some kind of overall behind the scenes stuff or whatnot right yeah i have stuff about i thought we were going to talk more about like the movie and like stuff like that but yeah um... yeah that's what i was saying before we get to final thoughts and stuff we'll we'll get to to all that um I guess we should talk about the end just a little bit more, um, for sure. <laughs> I don't remember the rest of it. Um, no, I mean that's pretty much it. They, they, afterwards, they have a scene of um, Ed going back and adding the, mm-hmm. the mirror box to the like museum. And if that isn't a wink to the camera to sequel, I don't know what is. But um, it works. It works well, and it's um. It's a good item to go and get added to that museum, too. You know, like, they could have done something dumb, like the noose that they find in, like, the passageway yeah. that the, the witch used to hang herself. Or um, they could have done the sheet or something dumb, you know. But I think the mirror box looks good on the shelf at the end of the day and is a good summary of it. And I, I, I enjoy the way it ends, at least, you know. Besides bruises, healing. <laughs> <No, I agree. laughs> um, besides the bruises healing, it, it's a totally fine ending. It's just at that point the movie's really been. It feels like three different movies, so it's kind of like okay, cool, we're wrapping it up here. You know? Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, what about you, Kim? Your ending just overall. Um, it was okay. I mean, the very very final scene obviously opens up that there's probably going to be more. Whether it has to deal with this case or something else with that final little like music sound and the museum itself so i mean i guess there's like a slight implication that you know it's not over but um yeah overall i i think the ending was eh. i mean from the exorcism, <laughs> exorcism on i kind of was like over it but yeah. i i feel like the tie-in back to them Can saying like the same parts of a movie just like, <laughs> that'd be, that'd be like um to the part saying that you know ed and lorraine find out that they have another case they have to go look at um after this ed adding the box in just kind of gives way that there's going to be more to the rest of this to what is going to become a series nay franchise so i think it, it's it's a it's an okay ending 
I think as far as keeping that door open for the rest of what's to come. Um, but yeah, it was it was okay. I mean, it had to it had to end that way. So you know, there wasn't really much else they could really yeah, end yeah. it um, if they wanted to continue on and stay loyal, I guess, to what actually quote unquote happened. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's based off a true story, but they kill them both. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, they take too much liberty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I might have liked that better, but, you know. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. It's got to be happy ending, I guess. Yeah, so, hey, you need happy endings to have, you know, eight sequels in eight years. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was okay. It was pretty good ending, I guess. Pretty neutral, I would say. Yeah, I feel like it's pretty neutral. I feel like it doesn't, like, I feel like it's the ending that has to happen because I just don't see what else could have been the ending. But I also kind of see your point about, like, it being, like, there's just so many good elements to this movie, but I don't feel like any of them are towards the end. That's fair. That's fair. And going back to the museum also kind of is also a hint back to, like, the fact that Annabelle's there. So I think it kind of tries to, like, subtly tie back to that portion yeah yeah i guess they knew where their money maker was <clears throat> um we're hitting the two hour mark so yeah we are we are kim. what were some of the before we do final thoughts what was some of your your things kim um so box office wise it was the first horror film since van helsing that was released i believe in 2004 um to gross <laughs> over 300 million dollars worldwide it is in the wow. top 10 highest grossing horror movies as of 2016, and I believe it is still in its same place as of now. I haven't double-checked, though. Um, it's landed above movies like Silence of the Lambs, What Lies Beneath, and Shutter oh. Island. It is ranked number seven on the list, and I'll give a quick rendition of what is on that list. Number one, The Sixth Sense. Number two, Jaws. Three, Exorcist. Four, Signs. Five, Hannibal, and six, seven, the movie seven. And then number seven would be The Conjuring. So it pretty much has cemented itself in history. It is rated R, but only because it was considered too frightening to be given any less of a rating, which I think is kind of stupid. But it really did help when it came to marketing. I mean, from the trailer, from the rating to everything else, it really did give it a lot of build-up. And I guess it didn't disappoint because it did make the highest opening weekend for an original R-rated horror movie. Um, And before this, the only other movie that had taken that place was The Purge, the first Purge. So it did beat it by a substantial. The first purge or the first purge? No, the very first purge. (laughs) The the purge. (laughs) The first one made. I'm just... You know, you, you, you gotta specify. It's 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 rough. <laughs> they did have obviously like storylines going about like how people were fainting about you know watching the movie and feeling negative energy after watching it. In the Philippines, certain screenings were they had like priests bless the audience before they watched it. It was all very wow. much building you know the notoriety of the movie, which obviously paid off because it made a lot of freaking money. And, and you, yeah, you were naming like Shutter Island and Van Helsing, but those are PG thirteen movies as well. Mm-hmm. So not only is it 
kicking ass with the horror movies, but it's rated R at a significant disadvantage. Yeah, exactly. They It was suggested that if it had been PG-13, it probably would have broken more records than what it did as an R-rated film, so. Yeah. I mean, they did fight to try and make it PG-13, but um, I, I forgot what, what it's called, but, like, the ones that make the call, they said that they couldn't. And they didn't want to cut anything from the film, so... Um, yeah. they couldn't come to a compromise, so it kept its R rating, unfortunately. Well, it's good, because nowadays, that's like the kiss of death. It's like, do you want to see that movie? It's rated PG-13. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Joseph Bisharo, who was the composer of the film, um, who helped with the soundtrack, not only of this, but also for Insidious, also played um, Bathsheba herself, as well as a lot oh, of wow. the other horror characters in other films including the woman in black in the insidious franchise so not only does it make i thought you were gonna say a woman in black and from the movie a woman in black because i've seen that movie yeah from harry potter 8 yeah (laughs) yeah from harry potter 8 that was a good movie oh i guess nine yeah there is an eight already (laughs) ten if you acknowledge the play but come on no um, and the doll itself, um, in real life, is actually a Raggedy Ann doll. But for licensing purposes, they couldn't actually use that particular doll um, to represent the cursed doll. Because obviously, I'm pretty sure the people that made Annabelle, the Raggedy Ann dolls, I'm sorry, didn't want the association to be tied with possession and yeah. ghosts. So yeah. they didn't allow them to use it. So that's why they... Unlike Chucky. Fair, but Chucky's but not a real doll. Ed? You yeah. don't know what Raggedy Ann dolls are? No, no, I was saying fair, but what does Raggedy Ann have going for her right now? Actually, oh, people yeah. collect a lot of Raggedy Ann dolls because it's so vintage. There's like a, there's a lot of people that collect them. And it was really so, popular but, back in the day. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I just don't assume it is like an, I don't, I don't think of it as an active franchise. franchise. You know? It's like, like a cabbage patch, you know? They're like, people collect them because they're like worth lots of money, but they were like really yeah. big like in the 80s and 90s. Or 90s, I should say. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. I think my mom used to have a... I think she used to have a Raggedy Ann doll. And, like, my it came with the wig. used to have one. <laughs> they're, they're really cute dolls. I'm not going to lie. They're really cute. They're, like, soft and they're, like, pillows. Whereas the direction mm-hmm. they went for this doll was a bit more of, like, the porcelain, like porcelain kind one. of... Yeah. Um, the designer was Tony Rosen from Wilmington, New York, which is where this was um, shot and filmed um he had two days to come up with 10 different designs and james wan picked apart details from his designs and put them together and that's how they came up with what now is the notorious um annabelle doll he's also working on halloween kills i'm not quite certain what he's doing for it but i'm assuming it has to do with like the mask creation or something along that line because he he does work when it with, with things like that so We'll see more of his work in that movie. Hey, Burnt, Burnt Mikey looks good. <laughs> he does look pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so I was pretty into it. Not into it, like you're into it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just for me. <laughs> don't talk about my man that way. It's just mine. I don't share. Apparently not. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, James, James Wan crushing it. Yeah, he's on a lot of, you know, really cool movies um, since then, and he he's obviously a really well known director. I mean, you can kind of tell when he's had his touch in things because he's very um, he knows who he works with, and he has actors that he includes in a lot of his franchises, and 
there are themes that he kind of brings about. So I, I think his work has his own signature to it. Yeah, I, I remember Billy the Puppet being on the chalkboard and Insidious and shit. Too. Yeah, I will say, though, they are a little too similar. But I mean, that's one of the issues I yes. have with it. Big time, big time. This movie has big Insidious vibes, and it's weird to think they both came from him. And there's some scenes. Actually, I think they're really similar. Like, even in the way that... I mean, not only is Patrick Wilson in both of these movies, um, which I think is really funny. <laughs> he just loves Patrick Wilson for some reason. Um, and has him in everything. But he also reuses the name Lorraine in Insidious. That's um, Patrick Wilson's mom's name. And there's that scene, I wrote it down, where Ed's recording the parents during their investigation at, like, the dinner table. It reminds me of that scene in Insidious where we see Darth Maul behind Patrick Wilson's head. Because there's, like, a shot that kind of looks kind of like that shot. And it just reminds me of that setup. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think this, this one does it better, though. I think that's the one scene Insidious really has going for it is the Darth Maul shot. Yes, yes, definitely. So I think, I think for that... this case, in my opinion, Insidious wins in that scene. Okay, because it's because it's the best scene of that movie. Because it's it's the scene where we see the scary Darth Maul demon, whereas this one <laughs> it's just the recording part, and they're they're just talking, and there's not really much. But that shot reminds. There's a lot of shots that remind me of Insidious, and like the concept as well, moving into a house, creepy demon, um. Yeah, some ghost hunters come in to take a look. Someone's psychic comes in and reads the room. Like it's very similar and it's very skeletal concept. So um, I don't blame them for it, but there's just a lot of parallels. But I think The Conjuring does it better. Yeah, I agree for a lot of reasons, Full which heart. I'll talk about when we go to final thoughts. But um, do you want to go first, AJ? <sighs> I'm scared currently sitting alone. Um, so I don't know what that means about this movie, but that's how I feel. Um, I think it was good. I think it has a lot of really good creepy scenes. I think it does a really good job of, like, for most of the film, it has good pacing. It has good scares. It makes you think it can get worse, and then it gets worse. Um, which I think is a great skill to have in this specific situation. Now, is it my favorite? No, because it's scary as fuck, and I didn't like that I was scared the whole time. But I think that it's pretty good. And that's my final thoughts. Um, I don't like this like neat this part of the genre like at all. But if I had to watch a movie from this part of the genre, it, this would be one of them for sure. Like, I think The Conjuring's great. I think it's maybe you know a little too long, but overall I'm hard on it because it's not like my genre, but it's still really good. Um, it's iconic for a reason, and I think it's it sticks out due to a lot of it's it sticks out compared to a lot of other movies that hit a lot of similar beats because it just it did them better in the long run um i think it uh has great pacing very little downtime and it's it's entertaining the whole way through did you say that your reason for not liking this is because um or this genre is this part of the genre because did you say why because they copy it becomes carbon copy cop i don't even i can't speak anymore (laughs) it's late (laughs) keep going no, I think uh, um, I think you're right. I haven't quite explained it. I, I I think it's just more of its reliance on jump scares, mm. and it's not it's not fun. Um, I would argue this one is more fun than other ones, of course. Um, but this is like the exception to the rule. But typically, these movies are really samey. They rely on children being creepy, um, 
kind of what you were saying with like the voice changing and stuff it's all samey it all winds up being the same shit um it's usually pg-13 so it doesn't have any effects that are cool or fun to talk about it's just typically you know long-haired demon woman screaming at you in a loud piano smash at the same time and you jump out of it and people are like oh so scary and i I don't know it's they just lack substance uh most of the time for me um like yeah they're just not i just don't enjoy them necessarily um but i really do like the themes and the atmosphere that the conjuring creates and it really stands out like i can't express that enough that i really enjoy this movie and it's definitely the exception to the rule but it's still not my genre (laughs) no i agree yeah i get that um but yeah like again i I can shit on this all day but as of horror movies in the last 10 years it's it's up there you know Mm -hmm. no i agree um i'll try to make this as like brief as possible so we can all (laughs) go to bed (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah I, i mean i guess i'll kind of reiterate what kind of already was said um the pacing and the plot i think it works really well for this movie um, even though there's multiple characters and storylines, um, because, I mean, the wards are secondary characters at the end of the day, um, even though it's told from both perspectives, they, they're not the main focal point or not the intended focal point, um, we still manage to kind of focus on what the movie's getting at, and it kind of starts at a pretty mm-hmm. good scare pace that it doesn't really leave that much time to really get boring, even though there are parts that I think are unnecessary. It builds character, and audiences love character and they love getting to know and resonate with who it is that they're watching so i think you know in terms of working best for the movie i think it does do that do i personally like that no but i think that's kind of why it works really well for this movie i think for me the production is kind of the best part of this i really love the makeup besides shitting on you know what happens at the end i still think it's pretty impressive that they're able to make it look as good as they can same with Bathsheba I think they do a really great job of you know creating her and also the other side um characters the ghost mom I think her makeup is really cool the feet I think they do a really great job of really solidifying those images and it really resonates with audiences and sticks with them in the moment but also after I think the transitions are pretty effective there are some quiet moments where it's silence and the silence is like suffocating and then something happens yeah. and there's not really a prompt for it. It just sort of sits there. And silence itself can be really effective. I think this movie works well with silence and darkness. Really kind of emphasizing those natural, um, the naturalness of it and really making it as frightening without needing to rely that much on the opposite effect, sound. But it does do that. And I think when it does, that in a way also is effective. Obviously, that's what makes us jump and obviously gets us out of her seat so i think using both i think was really clever i prefer the i prefer the previous i prefer you know with the quiet the darkness but nonetheless i think they're both really effective and this movie does it really well um Mm -hmm. i think as well as using the real cases and real people i think was really smart it prompts people to look into these cases to give a shit about them um, they did countless interviews. Lorraine Warren became super popular after this. I mean, I tried to friend her on Facebook and she had too many requests, so I couldn't. So I had to friend her, her son-in-law. And that's how I got, like, they have things like Warren Fest where they would tour the museum 
and you know you can find information about them and it really does it brings the audiences from that screen into real life and it gives them something else to grapple with and it gives them some more things to look into and that's why people like things like true crime and stuff like that because Mm -hmm. it's real and there's so much to look into it and as much as i love it i do have issues with it as well um i think you mentioned jump scares and i kind of am in the same place with jump scares although i like the adrenaline that it gives you it does become monotonous like i've seen this movie way too many times and i'm honestly this movie is one that i both love and hate and I hate because everyone and their fucking mom wants to watch this goddamn movie whenever we want to put a scary movie on. And I'm over it. Because it really doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't scare me. It doesn't make me jump. It, it kind yeah. of becomes one of those things that, like, everyone knows this movie and wants to watch it. And I'm just done. <laughs> and when you don't have the appeal of, like, the adrenaline from a jump scare, you're really kind of only left with the plot which to be honest is kind of subpar mm-hmm. and not fully original also i'm sorry but i gotta shit on the warrens for a little bit the whole characterization of like faith and religion just doesn't vibe with me i think you have to buy into that to some degree in this movie but it becomes a bit excessive um obviously when you talk about like the priest and the vatican and it, it i think there's like this whole squeaky clean happy married lovey-dovey family conquers all bullshit that's kind of really shoved down your throat in this movie and the rest of the franchise and i particularly don't really care for i can give two fucks if you're happily married i can give zero fucks if this family is like they went to the beach and they had a great time i really don't give a shit so to me as i understand why they work in terms of like the themes they're trying to kind of dish out in this movie and i can get why maybe some people might like that part like oh my god they have so much heart and they're like defeating demons with love i don't really give a fuck about that because i think that's bullshit um the the idea that these children deserve to be murdered by their mother and killed by a demon because they weren't baptized is kind of ridiculous yeah yes yeah it, it, there's a lot of things like that that's just like why do I care about this? And it tries to kind of shove that down the throat of like, it's a happy family, family unit, happy mom and dad. They're so happy in love and it's their love that pushes them through. And like, I really don't give a shit. And I can understand why as a tactic for making audiences care, maybe it does work for some people. But for me, I can give zero fucks. I find that shit really annoying. And the rest of this franchise is kind of hard to sit through because they do a lot more of this shit. But... Those are the drawbacks that kind of make this movie not one of my top 10. As much as it might be other yeah. people's top 10s because it gives you that adrenaline. So, you know, as great as some parts of this are, I do think there's some cheap shots with jump scares. I think James Wan does utilize jump scares a bit too much in most of his movies, but that's just my opinion. Vera Farminga, I love her scream. Iconic. I think she is incredible in this movie and I want to give her extra props because she's a really great actress and I love her. Yeah, she's great. But that's that's about it. <laughs> I'm trying to like bring this shit down. But yeah, that's about it. Those are my final thoughts on the movie. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, I agree with everything you said, honestly. Um, I, I, I'm interested almost to, to see more of this franchise now to some degree just because this is as far as I've gone into it. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm interested to see, you know, as a fan of 80 slashers, you start with the good shit and then watch it deteriorate. And it's kind of like the same car crash I'm excited to watch, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, rest in peace to both because both Ed and Lorraine Warren and IRL did pass away. So, you know, a little bit respect on their name. Shit. 
Do you think when they when they became ghosts, the other ghosts were like, "You motherfuckers, <laughs> you outed us." <laughs> <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> Respect on their name, and then we say that shit. <laughs> Respect to them and their family. I know they have controversies and whatnot as well, but you know, all all peace and love. You know. <laughs> no. Oh my god. Okay, I could go. I could dive into what these controversies are, but. But yeah, yeah I don't want to. I don't want to get into that. We gotta wrap. It I don't want to get sued <sighs> for defamation. <laughs> They're dead. Yeah, but their family isn't. Yeah, their family could for sure sue us. And their family probably has bigger problems, like ghosts and shit. Facts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, respect to their name. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thanks for listening. Uh, next week we're going to watch. Um, fuck, I had it and then I lost it. Oh, we're, let's watch Monster House. Ooh. Oh. Let's just let's just, just, just cut straight to the good shit. We'll also watch Monster That's House. That's the scary movie. Yeah. See, see, this is we have some gems every once in a while. We're out of Garfield sequels to watch, so <laughs> I figure we'll <laughs> watch that. Um, and until then, I've been Aaron. I've been AJ. I'm Kim. And uh, goodbye. I mean, like, I know you want me to say that I love you, but I, I, I'm not feeling it tonight. I'm sorry. I'm just tired. It's late. <laughs>